Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost, joined by my co-host, Nicholas, in for the holiday. Yes, sir. And a holiday episode was in order. I think we were talking um, pretty much unceasingly about the Steelers all over this Christmas break, as any good American should do. And we came to the conclusion that... Last episode, last week as a whole for Steelers fans, it was dark. It was pretty dark. It was very dark. But, un- uh, you know, unfortunately, i got to say, it was necessarily so. I mean, it was a bad week, losing to that terrible two-win Bengals team in the middle of what should be a glorious playoff run. Meanwhile, the wheels are falling off of the Steelers. Maybe the wheels are falling off of our our heroic hero, redundant as that may be, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, it was a nasty time. But this is Christmas. And this is the time for hope. So we got together and we talked a little bit. How much hope is there for the Steelers going forward? And is there enough to make a podcast episode where we're not just lying to people? Because I don't want to just make a podcast episode and say, oh, here's these great things, glass is half full, when it's really not. Because we want to analyze the game of football realistically. And in all honesty, there's a ton of positives. So we did want to bring those realistic positives in our mind uh, to you, the listeners, as a small Christmas present today. I have to say, it doesn't look good for the rest of the season. We're going to face the Colts and then uh, finish the season with the Browns, which Mm -hmm. may be for all the marbles in the division. But I can't watch a game without hoping that maybe just Ben says, enough of this, I'm not afraid anymore, and he's just going to be flinging up and down the field. But it doesn't look realistic based on what we saw over the last three games. You're right. It's not impossible. Hey, look, the touchdown he threw to Deontay shows that well, then why didn't you just throw that same pass to Claypool and Deontay when they were wide open in the first quarter? If your arm can do it, then maybe he'll hit that pass this week. Uh, it's nice that they didn't practice play action for an entire year, and then they had him go out there and do it. Of course, that's what we wanted, but all I'm trying to say is that maybe they can hit some of those plays in these next few weeks, and maybe there's a chance. Vince Williams is coming back. I don't think they have any other inside linebackers outside of Vince and Avery, but at least you have some real run-stuffing linebackers, which are going to be extremely necessary against these next two teams. And did you say you just saw Boswell is out for the weekend? Boswell might be out for the weekend, but tiny little Matt Wright. You guys, you seen tiny Elf on the Shelf? You don't have little kids anymore, so you don't deal with the Elf on the Shelf. But some of you guys might. Matt Wright is Elf on a Shelf. He's about the same. It's a very small Elf that you move, uh, or they move on their own, I guess. Uh, and kids have to find them in their homes every single day. You find out, where did the Elf on the Shelf go this time? And for the Steelers, he's going to the 37-yard line at Heinz Field <laughs> to kick some field goals, hopefully. But, yeah, so we... It's not looking good against those two teams. They have great matchups against the Steelers because they have excellent defensive lines going against this 
Chicken wire. Yeah, that is the Steelers' offensive line. And they also just have a consistency of vision for both of those teams. They're kind of conservative running teams, good defense. And uh, they know what they're doing. The Steelers are still trying to figure out what they want to do. So, yeah, it's looking bad. Would this season end in on a, on a loss to choke away, like a four-game lead, for the Cleveland Browns to win their first AFC North title ever, I think, ever? It would be, you know what? Screw it. If it's going to end, let's go out in a blaze of glory. Sure. But that's not all written just yet. The Browns would have to actually beat the Steelers or the Ravens for all the credit that they got for losing to the Ravens a couple weeks ago. They did lose to them, right? Uh, So that's not written and done yet. So there's one positive. But we want to look more about the positives of after this year and since the Ben potentially retiring thing has got us thinking about Steelers mortality, Kevin Colbert going year to year, you're thinking, oh my goodness, there could be some monumental changes and we don't want to see the Steelers wander the desert like they did in the 80s after Terry Bradshaw. I have one positive for the rest of the season. There's a few. I have this theory. It sounds a little tinfoil hat, but I think the Steelers are not showing their hand. They've won (laughs) enough games to get into the playoffs and all of a sudden we're going to be pulling a Double reverses on kickoffs. Okay. Ben's going to go down. Ben's not going to throw anything shorter than 15 yards. That's what I'm talking about. I think we're just, we're just disguising what's coming to you in the playoffs. Okay. I don't think that. Okay. But uh, this is why we're doing the realistic positives of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the next coming seasons here instead of the lie to ourselves positives. But you know what? There actually might be a morsel of truth in what you just said. Maybe it's more of not a where we've been hiding it and Fiener's actually a genius. Maybe it's a go for broke kind of thing where they call, where they call double reverses because you can't be any worse than they are right now. And there actually could be some truth to that. They say, oh, wow, playing aggressive. That's really interesting how that works. But, uh, yeah. So with each passing day, I guess the first positive we came up with is it's a day closer to Ben's Hall of Fame ceremony. I know that's sort of a that's left-handed right. compliment. or No, it's necessary. Hope. Keep me from a complete and total psychological breakdown uh, from being prevented from watching the greatest athlete, nay, artist that the world has seen in the past 145 years, minimum. And you don't get to watch this guy play, se- you know, 17 to 20 Sundays per year. That's a bummer. But you know, it's not a bummer. Immortality. And every day that he's retired is closer to that five-year uh, required waiting period until he waltzes into the Hall of Fame. Look, I would say to you people. You have to live here to understand what's going on here. But for you long-term listeners, you understand mm. this pathogen codependent. that's taken over Nick. That's right. And then, yeah, codependent. Yeah. You were how old when he came into the league? 12. 12, uh, right at that impressionable age. Still remember the day. Yeah, can't reverse that. So we start out with the softball. That's the way that I'm looking at it, and it is nice to know he'll just be in, in glory there. But speaking of the quarterbacks, that's what we have to worry about. All the Steelers fans say we wandered the desert in between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, and as much as I adored and idolized Cordell Stewart before Ben came along, Cordell's best season had about 16 touchdown passes <laughs> where he got second in the voting for MVP. Of course, that ended with another traumatic, well, the first of many traumatic losses to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. But I just don't think that there's a chance in hell that that'll happen because quarterbacks are easier to find than ever. They are, I think Dave Damashek always, uh, his bit is that we have reached full quarterback saturation in the NFL where there aren't, where there are, uh, what does he say? There's more capable quarterbacks. There's more than 32 capable starting quarterbacks on God's earth. So more capable quarterbacks and teams. I wouldn't say it's 32, but there are 
three legit quarterbacks coming out every single year in the draft, and then they keep going to teams who will develop them if they find out, oh, yeah, it turns out Mahomes is good. Oh, it turns out Mayfield's good. Lamar's good. That's another team that doesn't need a quarterback. So it's going to be easier to get those guys in the draft. Maybe not this year for the Steelers, but soon enough it'll be easy, even if you're not a top 10 pick. And then we know that also uh, makes room for jettisoned vet- veterans like all the Mats out there. Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, you think Kirk Cousins, some of these guys, maybe a serviceable guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Never take Jimmy Garoppolo. I take that back. He was on the Niners. He couldn't win the Super Bowl. But you know what I mean. There's just more places to get them than ever than where there used to be before. Yeah, and you know what? This seems like a result of this quarterback factory that starts with kids when they're in like seventh grade. You know, the Manning yeah. camp, I guess, was a progenitor of all these things. But they're these guys are just churned out. There's just a science and an art to producing a quarterback. You're getting guys from North Dakota State yeah. crying out loud. Every two it doesn't years matter. Two. The college, I mean, the college matters, of course. Clemson versus uh, James Madison. Sorry, was that, uh, did I just insult? No, no. To an, to an extent, the college does matter. You're right. How many good well, no, but Sean. you can get a guy from yeah, you can get a, a lower a lower tier school. Yeah, I mean, BYU, that's the top court, one of the top quarterbacks this year. Yeah, and you're right, North Dakota State, it's another top quarterback. Oh yeah, there's been two from North Dakota State in the past five years. I mean, it's insane. They do come from all over the place. You're right. It's just started with the trickle down effect from the college game. Really, the college game kind of influenced the high school and the pros. Um, kind of moved in opposite direction that way because they started with the proliferation of the spread offense, so throwing a lot. High school teams realize, like, oh, we don't have to run eye formation all the time. We can throw and just light people up. So quarterbacks just throw the ball more when they're younger, whereas before, you hear any great quarterback, like Ben played receiver until he was a senior in high school. And they, uh, you know, you got to run eye form, and then it's only, like, later you really start practicing throwing a lot. So on one way, the talent is just better because it's been developed more, whereas you used to only be able to really develop your passing skills in college and then the pros also the rules favor the passing game so much you can't get hit so you can get, have guys like Kyler Murray who would have never survived maybe even Russell Wilson before and uh, the receivers are more open because you can't jam them all the time so there's there's better players available and as a result of there being better players available less teams will need them so we're going to talk in the next session about how we build for the future. And I want to come back to this topic about what you do for quarterback in the next year to three. Sure. Let's talk about some other things. Another huge positive for the Steelers are the number of stars we still have in the first contract. Yeah. Let's start with, should I list them? List them. Who doesn't know? Minka, TJ, Devin Bush, Deontay Johnson, if he can maintain his pace from last game. Yeah, we're rolling out hope for him. When he's good, he's amazing. And don't forget, everybody, Devontae Adams... Arguably the number one receiver in the league right now. Certainly a top 10, top 5 kind of guy. He had the same problem. Incredible drops at the beginning of his career. So it's not impossible to to rid uh, that problem from your game. I know we're hoping a lot because his lows have been unbelievably low. Deontay's dropped the ball since Toledo, so this isn't a new thing. But... Oh my goodness, his his hands actually are phenomenal. Like he can make difficult catches. He drops some of the easy ones. His route running in year two is top of the NFL. It's only going to get better. This could be Stephon Diggs, De- Devontae Adams, because he has everything else. He's the only player on the Steelers who can get off of jams and everything. So we are including him on the hopeful stars as opposed to some of the rest of these guys who are kind of established already. Well, you've got Claypool. 
Yes. I'm putting Edmonds, money on that. Terrell Edmonds is, is ascending the ladder, is to be above the line and more than serviceable. Definitely. And you, and well, you, well but, sorry, not to interrupt you, but like we, we're listing as Edmonds in the same category as Minka, but we're not saying all these guys are created equal, right? We said Minka and TJ first. We right? don't have to pay them. The all year. pros. Yeah. But you're talking about other guys like Edmonds is turning more into Ryan Clark than we thought he ever could. And obviously he doesn't play exactly like Ryan Clark because you can't play like Ryan Clark anymore. You're not allowed to hospitalize people. That was a, an enforcer role was a strong safety back in the day. But Edmonds has really slowly and quietly ascended, much like Ike Taylor or Bud Dupree. And it's yet to see ex- exactly how awesome he can be or, or what his ceiling is. But he's at least a good starting defender. And if you could pair him with Minka, that kind of continuity in the secondary or an offensive line, those things help. With receivers, you can plug them in. They're in islands. Corners, yeah, yeah, of course. But, like, having the safeties and that communication there is big. And Edmonds is a young guy, and he's super athletic. So all these guys we're talking about aren't even in their athletic primes yet, except for maybe TJ. And then you've got Kevin Dodson and Chuksa Korafor on the offensive line. We put Banner in there, who uh, technically is a free agent, but – you know, it, obviously we're very disappointed about him losing this season, but it also might mean that he's not going to get paid next year and we'll be able to retain him. So you have a lot of returning talent that you don't have to pay next year. You have options because Banner beat out Chooks for the starting job. Banner is objectively a better run blocker. We've had huge problems with run blocking. So at least you don't know if either one of those guys is going to end up being really reliable long term. But they have shown promise. It's not like when they put Mike Adams in there and you're like, this isn't happening. Or, you know, Hour or whatever. Like, this isn't happening. You, those are two guys that you don't have to draft or pick up in free agency. Those are potentially, well, I mean, you got to sign them, right, in free agency, I guess. But those are in-house guys who are options. Um, so it's not just totally barren like it was before Marquise Pouncey came. You're like, oh, my God, we need five linemen. Yeah, and we're hopeful that the, the problems with the DeCastro are injury related that they're just not telling us about. How does a guard, how does a, you know, all pro guard just fall off a cliff like that? Well, we know it's injury, but just the question with him is he could be done. Like there are linemen who, who what is he, eighth year or something like that? Um, It could be the end of the road for him. Obviously, Pouncey's coming very, very close to the end of the road as we speak. So maybe it is the end of the road for DeCastro. Yeah. How many years? He's 30. He's, been nine, he's nine years in. He's nine yeah. years in. How it flies. Uh, cousin P. Butch, Pat and I were talking about this the other day. The Jets set up... The Jets get talked about, by the way, as this bottom feeder fan- franchise when they're really not. Like, the Browns and the Raiders and the Lions are bottom feeder. The Jets just join them for the party every couple years. But otherwise, Jets have lots of good playoff teams in that the Mark Sanchez-Rex Ryan era was kicked off because they drafted... Brickashaw Ferguson, best name in history, and Nick Mangold for their offensive line in the same draft. And those guys held it down for like 10 years. And at like year 10, they both conked out and they left. So we could we could see that happening right now uh, with maybe DeCastro and, and, and Pouncey. So, but then, hey, that frees up some money for younger people. Yeah, and freeing up money. Well, we'll go into this later after the season, but you've got, you're going to lose Ebron and who knows about Vance. You'll be able, you will have some money because you will need to come up with some money for next year. Right. Let's talk about how you build for the future. And and we're not talking about a decade because you and I were talking before the show saying, like, you've got to build for the future in, like, three- to five-year increments at most because yeah. these first-year contracts are, are four years. Yeah. These teams go away. Everyone talks about the Legion of Boom like it was this long thing. It was a three-year team. 
It was a three. They got relevant with the Umad Bro game, and then they went to the Super Bowl the next two years, and then they were never the same ever again. Same thing with that incredible 49ers team with Kaepernick. That was the Seahawks' rival in that time. The only, you know, we don't count the Patriots in any of these things. They did, they do with Belichick and Brady, and they had totally different supporting casts, and and so you really do have to look at it as like you kind of get three to five years. Look at the Killer Bees. It was like we thought, like, well, at least we still have the offensive line. We had one more year. It turns out last year with the offensive line, and, th- and now it's gone. So yeah, you do build in these three to five year increments. Well, hence the desperation. I mean, that's overstating it for this year. You know, you, we see the window tightening because of Ben. I mean, that is the that, that is the propulsion behind yeah. this team. They bring in Ebron. I mean, they went out and, and got some free agents. Look at how Derek Watts helped the team and escalated us. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, usually I don't like to spend that on fullbacks, especially when you had a fullback and a Pro Bowl fullback on the team already. And a worth a great name. It's just the weirdest. I really think it was just a two-pronged attack to try and get JJ in a couple of years when Bud, you know, is gone. <laughs> I hope that can, that's all I can hope. But uh, and thank God, Derek's all He's, right after that freaky hit. Yeah. But um, yeah, so how to build for the future? Let, let's talk about the first move they make day after the season's Come over. On. Can you make it now? Can we fire Feetner now? Uh, this It gets an annoying to me when people on Twitter, I know what they're doing, they try to defend Feetner because people try to oversimplify and say Feetner is the root of all the problems. Ed Bouchette had a great mailbag the other day where he answered some questions about Ben. He says what he's heard inside the building is people don't think it's an arm or a knee, elbow or knee, like we've been saying, like most people have been saying, and they think it's more of a basically a fear of being hit or a discomfort being in the pocket, which is very common in quarterbacks. And we told you a lot of times the quarterbacks, they don't slope down. They cruise at this high altitude and then they fall. They take a sharp right angle like Peyton Manning did. So that could be what Ben's experiencing now in, in 20 degree weather at the end of the season. If he's taking a year's worth of hits, like might be a little bit different than when he fell after a year off of hits. Like, Oh yeah. So that's why it could happen mid season or end of season. It's not that weird to me. It's a, you know, culmination of all the hits he's taken, right? But isn't it weird he didn't get hit this year? No, he did get hit. I mean, well, you're right. You're Relatively. Right. No, no, you're right. You're right. He didn't. But it doesn't take that much at this point, yeah. right? Um, and he has taken some massive hits this year. But, of course, the you know, the eight games in a row without getting sacked, which forced us to go one yard per every play and tanked our entire <laughs> That's season. That's a high cost. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I kind of lost my train of thought there. What were we thinking? Oh, oh yeah, Feetner. He's got to go. So Ed Bouchette did write. Somebody asked him about Feetner, and he said, well, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the players or the, or the coordinator? And I hate when people say that. Like, why can you not realize that it, it's, it's both? Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Of course... Too many people on Twitter are just blaming Feetner. It's like, dude, are you looking at it? Like, Ben missed this wide-open receiver by 10 yards three or four times. I mean, it was bad. And the offensive line can't block anybody. I mean, anytime James Conner or Benny Snell has gotten the ball this year, there's been someone right in their face, except for a couple holes they opened up against the 48th-ranked run defense in Cincinnati last week. Not going to be opening these holes these next two weeks or whoever you play in the playoffs, right? So, of course, the player is an issue, but... Whatever players you're putting on the field, <clears throat> we can all tell situational predictability. It doesn't matter who you have on the field when we know exactly what you're running on every third and four, what, exactly what you're running on every second and ten, exactly what parts of the field you're running to. The fact that an incredibly successful intermediate receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster has, only, has run under 20 routes all year that go 15 to 20 yards. Hmm. His his shot like this is easily trackable. You can look at the next gen stats. Everything's a one yard route. So that's Juju. That's a good player. We have three years of him being a Pro Bowl type guy. 
that's the offensive coordinator. So we know he's a huge problem. And um, hopefully this season results in him getting fired because the Steelers need to move into the 21st century in terms of strategy, and they need to do it fast because they're still running semi-Bruce Arians-y. Well, definitely not this year with the short passes, but they're just running antiquated offenses. And I know this sounds facetious or whatever, but they could have kept Randy if they didn't have such a disaster of an end of the year. They've kept Butler after all the disasters that he had. Who knows how much better the Steelers would be if they had a great defensive coordinator? I mean, like I've said a number of times, they have 11 all-pros, basically, on the defense. Like, I'm not going to give Butler a ton of credit. Yes, he schemes that pressure well, but we have plenty of other issues. They got gashed by the Bengals all the fourth quarter. I mean, it happens, right? So maybe this is a positive. It's so bad and so public that Randy will get fired and the Steelers can move forward with someone really good. So we don't understand the symbi- if, whether there's some symbiotic relationship between him and Ben. It's been rumored that sort of Ben controls that thing. And, you know, and the Steelers do tend to hang on to guys. Your, your point about Butler still being around after the performance. Just wouldn't you change it just to shake things up? I mean, look at how we were talking about Carnell Lake and Joy Porter. There's a lot. There's a there's a loyalty tax to be paid. Yeah. To hang on to guys. And I, I'm with you. I, I would like a young guy who's like not married, not, not dogmatic about yeah. his offensive or defensive scheming. I hate to say it, but that, like you think it's an oversimplification. They had that joke, oh, anyone who's had a, co- a cup of coffee with Sean McVay gets a coaching job this past year. Funny thing is all of those coaches are in the playoffs and all of their offenses are doing well. <laughs> so there is something to be said for getting someone from a coaching tree. All the great offensive minds outside of Sean Payton are, young, are like under 40 guys. You talk about Shanahan, the, the greatest. You talk about McVay. Uh, Lafleur. of course, Rodgers is doing a bunch of that, but that offense has taken off in their second year under him, which also shows you, like, hey, you might need two years with, with the coordinator to really kick it off, so you better get this guy in sooner rather than later, right? Um, Kingsbury, I think, has a long way to go. I'm giving him one more year to see what's up with him. Uh, Josh McDaniels, even in New England. He's a younger guy, so... Youth is the name of the game, and there's too much. NFL is famous for being a buddy buddy system where these guys keep getting new jobs. The fact that they're talking about signing Marvin Lewis as a coach for the Texans, I think that's crap. That doesn't mean I don't think Marvin Lewis is a good coach. That's all he is. Like, you're just going to let good be the enemy of great. The guy's 0 9 in the playoffs. That is significant. Does a, a change of scenery help him? Did he do some amazing things stabilizing a horrible franchise? Definitely. But you could just be letting good be the enemy of great there. Um, where I think, I mean, unless, you know, if you can try to find someone newer with ideas that fuse better with the type of players that are coming in the NFL now, it's a good way to go. The next thing that we, we want to talk about is the acquisition of players and how, you know, I, I do love Kevin Col- Colbert. He's taken hits over the years, but he really has proven himself to be kind of prescient, yeah, uh, imaginative, amazing. and what we've seen is he's broken the mold in the way they've drafted. They moved up for Devin Bush is a good example. That doesn't happen too often. And making trades and, tra- yeah. and like good trades, not paying for marquee names. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick's don't come along every day. That was the situation, but they did jump on it. They would have never, ever jumped on that situation before either. So they've shown a willingness to evolve. So what I'm saying with the offensive coordinators, that's the positive. They have shown a willingness in the past few years. It started with the Joe Hayden and Vance McDonald trades, and they made a bunch of other little trades in that time period, but when they traded for the no-name guys like Boykin and uh, Gilbert and, and, and some of these dudes, none of those really worked out. But the big-name trades, they've worked out pretty well. 
Uh, Ebron, it's been horrible the past few weeks, but overall he's been an important part of the offense. Hayden was huge. That was a, a defense-changing thing. Um, Minka, enormous. And, uh, you know, whoever they trade for in the future should be interesting. Who? Nelson? Nelson was a free agent. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, but they didn't do high price free agents at, at that point either. So they brought in Nelson. They wouldn't have done that before, most likely. So they have shown a willingness to do that. I don't know what's up with Colbert. I don't know if his successor, Brandon Hunt, is about to get scooped up by the Panthers, which is the rumor because David Tepper is the owner of the Panthers. David Tepper used to be a minority owner of the Steelers. He tried to swipe Colbert from the Steelers just last summer when he started his job with Carolina unsuccessfully. So I'm sure he's looking all inside the Steelers building. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. But at least the Steelers have shown an openness to evolve with the times, which is refreshing because that's something to me that cost the Packers Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers and their uh, unwillingness to put a team around him for years. And now it might be a little too late. I don't want to fish too deep in this water, but we are crossing our fingers to retain at least Hilton or Sutton next year. And the reason I don't want to fish in that pond is we're going to talk a lot about the um, salary cap and what we can and can't retain. But, man, you've got two Arab I shouldn't even call them Arab parents, right? They get a lot of playing time. So we got to retain one of those two guys. Yeah, so hopefully we can add them to that list of young star players, you know, because it would be great to keep at least one of those guys. It's depressing that we don't get both. Steelers wander the desert developing secondary members forever. They bring in three guys, Minka, Hayden, and Nelson, who end up being really good. And then under your nose, aside from Minka, the best ones end up being the homegrown guys. (laughs) So it would suck to lose them, but hey, maybe they're better at developing defensive backs now. But it would be great to keep one of them because, once again, you've got guys who have another four years of their prime which is enough to build potentially another Super Bowl run if, if you know you can get another quarterback in there um, after Ben retires. And who knows? Maybe the Steelers can trade up for Trey Lance. I mean, that would be the perfect time. You know, we railed against the Steelers taking a quarterback in the, in the draft for years. And we were proven right. Jo- Dobbs got cut. He got traded. And, of course, we'd rather see him. Th- and Rudolph sucks. He's terrible. I mean, like... They had a first-round grade on this guy in the draft with Baker and Lamar Jackson. Like, that's insanity. I, I have to think that they were lying to build up his confidence. So you can't have a first-round grade on him. But what are the, what, those, that was a third-round draft pick, right, and a fourth-round draft pick? Those are big-time players. Third-round draft pick, that's Deontay Johnson. That's Kevin Dotson. That's Sutton. These are, like, Big-time players that you wasted on a quarterback when we knew Ben was going to stay for a couple more years. We've always said you take the quarterback once the quarterback retires or when it's on fire, flamingly apparent that the quarterback is going to retire. And so now we're, we're not changing our tune. We're sticking to our theory, which is this is the time to draft a quarterback. And especially someone like Trey Lance, who is small school, really raw, unbelievable physical attributes. You could sit him behind Ben. If Ben does want to return next year, uh, it's the perfect opportunity to Mahomes him. You know, let him develop under Alex Smith. Let this guy develop under Ben. I, the initial reaction is he won't get all the way to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers would need to definitely trade up. And I don't know if they're going to be in the business of trading assets right now when they're going to need to really build up assets to rebuild the team. It's going to be too late to make a trade. You know, free agency will be over by that time or whatever, right? So, well, who look, knows? I guess the last piece of the puzzle is: Do we have trade bait that could either we could we could shed some salary cap and then attract 
some a younger younger talent or get move up in the draft. I'm looking through the salary cap. You know what? The the only guy that really is young enough. I mean, you have DeCastro. You have. I mean, I mean I'll just say Hayward because he's such a hefty part of the salary cap. But it's really Stephon Tuitt. Right. He's the one guy who would move you up in the draft. You don't have anybody else who makes enough money, who is young enough to attract. You know, to move up the ladder. Hmm. That wouldn't be a tank, but that would really be a. Hey, we're going to go into next season with no defensive line kind of thing. But you're right; it's a team with great players, so you might have some you might have some leverage to trade some people around. At least within the next, even if it's not this offseason, maybe you sign some guys, sign and trade them. I will say this: I, I do not want to lose to it, but we have played without to it. If Lulu can Alualu can go another year, and you've got Cam, um, it would it would be a high risk. Oh, to to trade him this yeah this offseason yeah. yeah no no you're right I just. First off, with the Lulu, I am no longer confident in the if he can go another year strategy based on what's happened to all our guys this year who we hoped could go another year. He's going to be 35. Um, but you're right. I mean, yeah, you, you could take a wash for Samoans can go to the, like, 50 that on is the true. defensive line. But next year, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be a Super Bowl window anyway. So you might be able to, yeah, leverage to it. And you could say, oh, it's sad we're on the Super Bowl window. And then, bam, you could be right back in there, you know, two years later. Our 10-minute episode has gone three times as long, but we just like being here. We like talking about the Steelers. We're in a giving mood. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. And by the way, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Until next week, actually, less than a week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.